scripture reading comes from Ephesians, second chapter, verses 19 to 22. This is from the New International Version. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here today, and it's also uh, good to know that uh, the majority of our members and many other people are joining in on our worship, worship broadcast in the comfort of their homes. So this morning, I would like to introduce our lesson by showing you a picture, the likes of which I have seen before in, my, in, in the Philippines where I grew up as a, you know, as a teenager as well. Here's the picture right here. Can you guys make out what's on that picture there? You're correct if you say that picture there is a piece of plywood going through a tree trunk. That's it. What do you think caused that? What do you think happened there? You're also correct if you say, well, this is probably like an after a storm. Yes. So what caused that is most probably... Uh, really strong winds going at really high, fast speeds. Like we're talking like probably 200 kilometer per hour winds right there. Very powerful. Okay. So when I came to Canada, I thought, I'll never, I'll never, you know, the wind will never bother me here like it, like it did in the Philippines. Right. But it's not necessarily correct. You guys know this. We live in Manitoba, right? We know the power of the wind in the winter. We call it, what do we call it? Wind chill factor. It, it's what makes minus 20 degrees Celsius feel, feels like it's almost minus 40 degrees Celsius. Right? So that said, the wind is powerful. And I, I, I like that uh, because it, it, it uh, opens up our topic for this morning that we would like to talk about. This morning I'd like to talk about something that on the day of Pentecost or someone that on the day of Pentecost was described in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, as a mighty rushing wind. Very powerful. Okay, this morning, we are going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit discipleship. The role of the Holy Spirit in discipleship. The scripture reading this morning was from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. And in this particular verse, the Apostle Paul writes to the church, and he tells the church, Okay, guys, you are members of the family of God. And this family is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as its chief foundation or cornerstone. And at the end of that passage in verse 22, the apostle Paul says, In him, in Jesus Christ, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So. Um, God lives in us through his Holy Spirit. This is significant because the Holy Spirit himself 
is literally the essence or the spirit of God. Okay? And he lives in us. So God empowers us through his spirit. Not remotely or like internally, like in us. Okay? It's uh, great because at the very beginning, God has always purposed the Holy Spirit to have a major role in our discipleship, in our walk in Christ, in our faith, and in the work that God needs for us to do in this world. And we see that first and foremost in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27. God promised this actually to his people. And this was written about 500, 600 years before Jesus was born. Okay, so about 2,600 years you know, ago. God tells us through Ezekiel, the prophet, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you right there. He's going to put a spirit in us and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If we paraphrase this last sentence in this, in this particular verse, God is telling us that he is going to put his spirit in us so that we can effectively follow him. So that we can be effective disciples for him. Right there. The Holy Spirit has a major role in our discipleship. And we understand as well that this promise was materialized when, uh, when Jesus was here in the Christian era, right? The Holy Spirit came down to all flesh in, in the world after, um, after Jesus did his, you know, performed that sacrifice on the cross. And Jesus Christ alluded to this as well in John 14, 16 to 17. Jesus himself is talking here and he says, I will ask my father, I will ask the father, God the father, that, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The spirit. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is going to be given to us from the father. When Jesus leaves, then the Holy Spirit comes in. And I like the word that that was used in the original language of scripture, advocate. The, the actual word was also like, there's a transliteration in English of the actual word. In English, it's paraclete. Okay, the paraclete, advocate or helper. The word paraclete, literally in Greek, is two words. It's, the first word is by or alongside and called, right? So it's an advocate or a paraclete or a helper is somebody that you call so that they can come alongside you for help. That is what the Spirit is. And we know as well from this verse that the Holy Spirit is not the only paraclete, right? Jesus Christ himself is a paraclete. It says that in there. Another paraclete will come in instead. So Jesus is a counselor as well, a helper, and uh, an advocate. But now... In spirit, we have God living in us through the Holy Spirit, helping us and advocating for us, right? But how exactly does that work? What exactly is the work of the Holy Spirit in our discipleship? And that's what we're going to look at today. So very quickly, the Holy Spirit's role um, 
is, is, two, is two parts. God gave the Holy Spirit a temporary role in, 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 in his kingdom, as well as a permanent or an ongoing role in his kingdom. These were very important still up to today, because the temporary role that the Holy Spirit, even though it started that it's, and it's finished, we still benefit from it today. So that temporary role something to do with the revelation and confirmation of the truth of the gospel. So when the church was starting up, imagine the apostles were there and the disciples of Jesus were just carrying out the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's, that calling is for us as well. They are spreading the word because the church needs to be, needed to be established. The Holy Spirit was there to reveal and confirm that truth to people. Can you imagine um, some people telling you that Jesus is the Christ and you don't you have no way of knowing it but trusting in their words. So what the Holy Spirit did, do you guys remember, what the Holy Spirit did was he imparted miraculous gifts to these individuals, to the people of God at the time, so that when they showed the 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 signs, people would believe. Uh, one of the signs was that they were able to speak in different languages to expedite the the preaching of the word to the nations who spoke different languages. The disciples, the apostles, they didn't know anything about these languages, but because of the Holy Spirit, they were able to tell them about the good news of Jesus. And in that, with that, they believed because this is weird, right? This only need, this probably. It's not something that they did for themselves. This is something that is divine. This is something that's godly, that's happening. So they were able to reveal and confirm that to them. But we still benefit from that today. Although it's done, it's complete, we still benefit from that today. Because remember in our scripture reading, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Right? These Truths were revealed and confirmed to them by the Holy Spirit. And now we have it in the form of the Bible. It's complete. There's no more revelation and confirmation that we need to know that this is correct. It's right there. Everything that we do today, we base off from that authority of the Holy Spirit's confirmation and revelation. The revealed word of God. So we benefit from that. But we're going to spend time on the, 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 the other role of the Holy Spirit in our discipleship, the ongoing or more permanent role that he plays in our lives. And that is the regeneration and the sanctification of each individual Christian. I know these are big words, but we're going to look at that in turn. Okay, The ongoing sanctification and regeneration of the church. So um, in John chapter 16, verse 8, well, in John chapter 16, Jesus himself is telling his disciples, you know what, guys, I'm going to leave. And when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come in, the advocate, the helper. And in this verse, he says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit's work starts when people are still sinners. When people are still not with Christ. The same with us. Before we became Christians, we didn't even know about Jesus. We didn't even care about our, our, our spiritual status in front of God. We just knew that if I had a good job, if I had my house, if I had a good 
If I had a good family, if I had a good reputation, if I had a good career, I was good to go. Knowing that in and of myself, my own righteousness does not count for anything. The Holy Spirit teaches us that the life that I live today is sinful. That the righteousness that I have on my own, my own view of morality is not good unless Christ is in it. It has to be, it, you know, I have, I have to have Jesus in my life. That's his righteousness. And one day, God is going to judge the world according to that righteousness. The Holy Spirit teaches us that. The Holy Spirit confirms that in our hearts and in our minds. That's the first thing. And then what happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we put him on as, uh, as our Lord and Savior in the waters of baptism, this is what happens. In Titus 3 verse 5, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we did in righteousness, but in accordance with his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That's the big word right there that we saw earlier. The Holy Spirit regenerates us and renews us. That's why discipleship, for the most part, has its roots. At the very core of it is being born again. Having a new life. Putting away the old sinful life and putting on Jesus, which regenerates, who regenerates us and renews us every day. Okay? The Holy Spirit is huge, is big on that. Uh, he has a big part in that because he lives in, our, in, in us. He, he comes into our lives and he lives in us. And uh, that said, in Ephesians 4.30, when he is with us, he is our seal for the day of redemption. We've seen it before, right? But it suffices for us to be reminded today that the Holy Spirit, part of his role is for us to be marked by him for the day of redemption. In my mind, I've always seen this as a visual. When Jesus comes back to earth to, on Judgment Day, has given him a tool to say, hey, remember the people that you're going to bring with you to heaven? They've already been pre-marked with the Holy Spirit on the day of redemption. This brings me a lot of joy and a lot of hope. Because it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter how poor we are in this world. It doesn't matter how we die in this world. It doesn't matter because this is temporary. What is permanent is heaven. We need to switch our minds off of the physical, the worldly, and switch it on for what is spiritual. And this is it. And with this, God brings us that joy and the hope. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 15 verse 13 reminded us, May God of hope, may the, may the God of hope fill you all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So God gives us that joy and peace and hope through the Holy Spirit. Not only that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our discipleship is that He gives us all of the talents that God wants us to use for His church. I do what I do today not because I'm, I'm, I'm awesome, not because I'm, 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 I'm better than everyone. Because God has given me this talent. And many other people in this congregation has that as well. But all of us has, has been given, everyone here has been given a different kind of gift from the Spirit that, who distributes them to all of us. 
that is part of his role in our life in the church. Okay? We need to remember that. We need to only be willing for the Holy Spirit to hone these talents, these gifts in our lives today. But the last thing that I want to talk to you about in terms of the role and the work of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives as, as disciples of God is the fact that he reveals the truth to us continually today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul tells us, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. may know the things freely given to us by God. God has revealed his word to us. And because of his spirit, we may know these things. Okay? You guys remember the the tree of knowledge uh, recitations from the kids today? When you read that, you will understand that. Okay? I know some people won't understand. I know when I first became a Christian and when I first heard words from the Bible, I did not understand any of them because there's this idea that the Spirit will not do His work, cannot do His work if there's a lot of worldliness in our lives, right? Right? That's probably like a factor in there. But when you read when when you read those as as the kids were reciting them today, you will you understand them. And the reason why you understand them is not because you're smart, not because I'm smart, is because the Holy Spirit enables us to understand them. What an amazing gift from God. And when that happens, when that happens, we are ready to do the will of God. When it, it, it enters our minds and in our hearts, our hands and our legs and our feet are ready to do and apply it in our lives. But it's still not of our own accord. I love the verse that's coming up next here. Philippians 2 verse 13. It is God who works in you to will. What, why do you want to do what you want to do for God? It says in here that God works that will in us. It changes the way that we think and, and it changes the way that we actually view the world. In order to fulfill, to, so that we can act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What we do with our hands and our feet, with our lives, after we have become Christians, is not our own work. It is his work. It is his work. The role of the Holy Spirit in our lives huge. Okay? I love what Randy said earlier in his uh, table talk. He says, I'm not a perfect husband. <laughs> you guys remember that? But my wife chose to love me like crazy anyway. I feel the same way about myself and my relationship with God. I am no one. I'm nobody. But he chose to love me like crazy anyway. He gave me the most perfect sacrifice in Jesus so that when he looks at me, he can say, well, that's my boy right there. I'm going to go live in him. My spirit will be in that person's life, in Jay, so that I can live in him, so I can work through him. The Holy Spirit's temporary and ongoing role in our lives empower us today, Christians. The church is the empowered people of God. Now the question is, for the second part of our lesson this morning, what are we going to do about this? Okay, what are we going to do about this? 
What is our role in all of this? We know what God's what God has done. Is there anything that we can do about this? Um, to start off, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter one prays this about us because we have the power. This power, he prays this. In beginning in verse seventeen, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now look at this next part. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. He calls the Holy Spirit the incomparably great power for us who believe. How powerful is this great power? Look at the last line there. This is the same power, okay, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Jesus became alive because of How much more would we become alive with that power residing inside of us today? The the Apostle Paul's prayer is that we may be enlightened, that we may see this in our minds, that we may understand this. This reminds me of um, this guy right here. You guys know know what that is, right? Caterpillars. When I was a kid, I loved, uh, we we didn't have National Geographic or TV for that matter, right? But I saw National Geographic shows in front of me in my own eyes i would go to the woods and i would see lots of insects and i would see so clearly when other insects are feasting on this kind of guy like their favorite food is the caterpillar because they're big plump and juicy right especially the spiders the praying mantises whatever but every time i think about i watch them being eaten by some insects i always thought to myself when i was a kid I wonder what's going on in their minds, these caterpillars. Do they know that they become butterflies eventually? I've always wondered that. Do they know that? Do they think, whoa, I didn't realize I could become a butterfly and fly away from these opponents. I don't get eaten easily. It's the same thing with us. Do we realize that in a manner of speaking, we could fly? And then some, because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in each and every one of us. We need to make that shift. We need to not make the Holy Spirit something that's just, it's just a normal thing. We all know that, Jay. Yes, we all know this, but are we actually living it in our lives? Are we using that gift? Are we using that power for the glory of God today? So what do we do? The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8 verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are we led by the Holy Spirit today? 
What does that mean when we say that we're led by the Holy Spirit? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a really good insight on this. Galatians 5.16, the Apostle Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. That's a popular expression in the Old and the New Testament. When you say walk, you mean live by the Spirit. And when we do that, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in our lives today. Okay? You guys remember how to walk by the Spirit? The Holy Spirit has a certain work in our lives. Right? One of them is, we can see a few verses after this. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Do you guys remember what those are? When we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. And when we walk by the Spirit, we allow Him to demonstrate His fruit in our lives. A demonstration to say, you know what? That person has the Holy Spirit in his life or her life. You see the fruit of the Spirit being demonstrated in his life or her life. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is in there too. You need, we need to remember that because this is the way that people are going to recognize that we are from God. The way that we walk. Okay? When we do that for God, when we do that work for God, the way that we walk, it's not only just for us. It always has an idea benefit other people around us so that they can recognize Jesus through our lives. This reminds me of when my family and I came to Canada for the first time, when we immigrated to Canada from the Philippines. I remember we had a stop uh, at Fort Worth, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Um, before, uh, so we can get a connecting flight from there to Canada, I think, to, to the Pearson International Airport in Toronto. But we had a few hours there to spare. So my relatives drove from California to Dallas-Fort Worth to just say hi for, uh, to us for a few hours, right? I'd never met any of them. Never met any of them. I was excited to meet my uncle, my Uncle Eddie, because apparently... Looks like my dad, right? But I remember I was looking for him and we were waiting in this area. We said we were going to wait and he was, and there was no one. Like, there's, there's a lot of people, but I was looking for Uncle Eddie. Okay? And then I thought, I saw him very far away and I thought, that's him right there. Mom, Dad, that's him right there. And then they were like, oh, we don't, tr- you've never met the guy. How do you know that it's him? You know what I said? Dad. Dad, but that, that's not their mom. Mom, that guy walked with dad. His gate was exactly like dad's gate. For us today, we walk with the spirit. We tell the world who we belong to. We tell the world who our Lord is. We tell the world who leads us in our life today. The Holy Spirit does. And when we demonstrate His fruit in our lives, and things work out, our discipleship becomes intact, and we play our role 
in our discipleship. Okay, We play our part. Now, if we do not walk by the Spirit, we do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And when we do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, His work is not completed in us. Okay, And this is what happens when that happens. We quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. He's here, but he's not doing anything. We're putting him inside the drawer of our lives and shutting him inside there. Saying, no, not your work, my work. I'm too busy for you. I I have other goals that is better than your goals for my life today. We are quenching the Holy Spirit of promise. And when... Uh, constantly, when we do the things that we're not supposed to do, that's contrary to the will of God, you know what we do? This is what we do. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, right, we, we, we do a bunch of things. We do one very important thing against the one who was the seal for us on the day of redemption. I have this vision in my mind just before. When we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, right? When it comes to that seal that God has marked us, it's like a stamp on our on our hands, right? To say, hey, that, that guy belongs to me. When we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, you know what we're doing? We're doing this. We're trying to remove that seal. Say, that's uh, not for me. I don't need that seal. That's what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Our role in our discipleship, in our relationship with God, God has his part because that's, what, that's, how, that's how relationships work, right? Each party has a part to play. God has been so faithful to us. He has empowered us through his Holy Spirit. But our role in this is simple. We just need to be willing participants for God, for his spirit to do his work in our lives today. We need to walk by the Spirit. And um, to conclude, I remember when I was living in the Philippines, I didn't have many toys. And the toys that I had, I would normally make them, right? Or create them, like a slingshot. My favorite toy, by the way. My second favorite toy was, was, a, was kites. We'd make them. It's just literally sticks, Right? And a bit of a bit of string, and you get that you, get, you can get those strings from trees, right? And also uh, uh, newspaper and some rice. Rice is what we use for glue, right? For kites. Oh, there's some Filipinos here. You guys know how to build kites. I love kites because what I would do is I would even I, I would play with them. I would just stand there and hold the kite, but I would sort of play a prank on. It's not really a prank, but sort of a prank because I would fly my kite so high that people won't see it. I love that. And I would stand there for hours just doing it, knowing that it's there. And the string, the string doesn't go from there to like straight up there. It goes like you're here, the string goes like this, all the way up, right? I would be standing there and I would would watch people pass by and they would go like this. They'd be seeing me there and going, because they can't see the kite, right? would go, is there a kite there? And I would go, yeah, there's a kite there. 
right? There's a kite there. And people would just, they would always do a double take because they would like, what's this kid doing holding a string with nothing in it? But I love that feeling of knowing that there's something there tugging at my hand. I know it's there because it's tugging at my hand. And I, I would stand there for hours doing that. You know, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The same thing. You can't see him. But you know he's there. Why? Because you know that he's doing work in your lives today. You know the kind of person you have become in Christ today. You know how much you've grown. I know how much I've grown. Right? I know I still have my struggles, but I'm way better now before in my forgiving other people, in my anger, in the things that I struggle with, in the way that I treat other people. I know I still have a long way to go, but you would not have recognized me if you had met me 20 years ago. You, have not rec- you would not have recognized me. I don't credit myself for that. I credit the Holy Spirit for that. And today, the message is simple. The power is in all of us. We can all have this power. And I have a message as well for people who have not experienced this power. Okay? The last verse that I'm going to show you is here. John 3, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is talking here, and he's telling Nicodemus what the new birth is like. says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And he's essentially telling, Jesus is essentially telling Nicodemus and all of us that you don't need to really understand completely what the new birth is all about, how it actually works, how the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and does things with us. You don't need to know all of that before you experience it. We can experience that new birth. Thank you for your time.